At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. But I would get asked these questions and these wedge issues, and I would uh, uh, I would say that they're not as important as, as the issues that we all agree on and that we should talk about those. And people would get very frustrated by that um, because they're so hooked into these these stupid little psyops, um, and it, it prevents it, it prevents people I think from, from from moving the ball forward. I think we could be in a much better place if we get the population to get away from those issues. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a very special guest today, New Jersey gem owner and uh, alleged patriot, Ian Anderson, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to call people anymore. Like it's uh, a domestic violent extremist, I think, if you don't just capitulate to the state. Yeah, far right wing. Mm -hmm. That's really in there as well. Fully automatic. Yeah, a fully semi-automatic, I believe, was the phrase the guy used. That was a general, by the way, that said that. Yeah. A general in the military. And the generals in the military these days aren't very good, are they? No, they're laughing stock of the world, in my opinion, Mm. but so is the rest of the country. Yeah, what are you going to do? We're here to talk about good stuff, though, not shitbags. So um, you've the the purpose of this show, Citizen, is to, uh, I, I guess, articulate the difference between a citizen, which is somebody who, um, you know, has rights, appreciates their rights, but also exercises the responsibilities necessary to secure those rights or a subject, somebody who just capitulates and sits around and whines about how unfair life is. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's an important distinction to make. Um, I think most of the country would fall into that second category um, and that not only is, is it important that we learn and educate ourselves about what it means to be a citizen. I think that, that that's sort of uh, a responsibility that we have um, for all the, th- that's, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the convenient price that you pay for freedom is being a good citizen. You know, the, the horrible price that you pay for freedom is, is war. You know what I mean? And, and fighting and violence and all of the nasty things, revolution. Um, the the easy price to pay for freedom is making sure that that system stays intact mm. by you doing whatever your part is in that system. Well, it's like uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, maybe, is a good way to yeah. say that. Yeah, really. 100%. Somebody said that about 3,000 fucking years ago, by the way. This isn't new. This isn't new stuff. You know what's really funny is these days. Uh, again, we're talking to uh, Ian Smith here. You, you, you. I'm going to get into some of the sp- specifics about the gym 
and all this stuff later. But <clears throat> it is interesting to me these days that it's more or less ordinary dudes who just decide and, and women as well who just decide, you know, people with regular jobs are just like, this is fucking bullshit. We're going to start talking about how it's bullshit because typically throughout history, you see extraordinary people like extremely educated people or <clears throat> people that are extremely accomplished and, and uh, uh, some kind of bureaucracy or is from, for some degree business who are the ones who stand out during movements like this. But I think this time it's mostly been regular people and it's because the aristocracy has gotten so goddamn crazy and they have their useful idiots, I guess. I call it, they're, they're basically like vampire familiars, right? Like they don't actually have any of the power. They're just trying to suck the power off of these assholes. And yeah, they want to play for the, what they think is the winning team. Right. So it turns out it's just going to be ordinary people like uh, yourself and Andy and myself and a bunch of a, ho a host of other people um, who just like, we're not, we're not saying anything revelatory. We're just pointing to how all of human history has worked how all the collective wisdom has worked throughout all, all of this from the Stoics from actually from the Greeks to the Stoics to, to now. And it's like, this is all pretty obvious. We're not rediscover. We're not, we're not discovering anything. We're just rediscovering what we already knew. Yeah, not at all. I don't, I don't consider myself uh, anything more than slightly above average intelligence. Um, and I don't think that in order, in order to participate that you need to, to be that. I mean, th this is the, this is the opportunity for normal people to have an impact on history. Um, you know, you asked me three years ago uh, if I would have ever been capable of the impact that that, you know, that I've had and that we've had at the gym. You know, I would I would have said the same answer that everybody has. It's that like, oh, I'm just one person kind of thing. Um, but I think recent events have shown us that that's 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 really like a fallacy because um, all of the people who have done tremendous things, especially just just shorten into the scope of the last three years um, and who have influenced tons of people and who are like heroes to the people um, yeah. are just regular people. And it's, I think that's important for, for people to realize because it shows that the power is, is really in, in the, within the individual, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we have this, I think in America for a long time, and especially now we've had this like hero complex or this savior complex where it's like, you know, everybody looks to the, the, the aristocracy and the bureaucracy to fix the problems. And it's like, who's the next candidate that we're all going to, mm. to rally behind and then put all of our faith in, um, as if this person is some infallible and perfect person, um, who won't make any mistakes, who won't succumb to any bit of selfishness or greed or anything like that. And it's, uh, we keep doing it and it keeps hurting us, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's the the people who, who loved and praised Obama or if it was the people that loved and praised Trump. And mm. you can follow that back pretty far. Um, but when we see what the individual can do, you know, hopefully others are inspired to say, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to take care of my family and then I'm going to take care of my community and mm. I'm going to take care of my country. And I'm not going to wait for that to happen from the top. Um, because it never, it never trickles all the way down. Yeah. It's funny how, uh, one to address your, your overarching point, the point of this whole, uh, ordinary guy movement isn't to make anybody into heroes or anything like that, or, or whatever it is to make anyone, anything it's to show people how capable they are individually. Right. 
Like that's yeah. Uh, it, th- this is more of a <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> train the trainer kind of situation. Like, look, you can do this stuff. All you got to do is do it. Don't don't and and don't count on anybody else. But we are stuck in this, um, I guess, mire of of hero worship. It was interesting to me how quickly even the uh, dis or, or, or the anti-establishment Trump folks, how quickly um, they turned him into a hero even, right? It's like he, his the whole point of this movement was that there are no heroes. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, he's not helping that case too much by saying he's got a major announcement and then the major announcement is digital trading cards. That was fucking stupid. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it was pretty funny. But I, the, the point of all this is that, <clears throat> like what you're saying, to secure those rights, to be able to protect yourself, your uh, family, then your community, then your country, um, you have to educate and involve yourself in the process enough to be effective. Like there's no hero coming to save you. It's not going to be DeSantis. It's not going to be Trump. It's not going to be Tim Scott. It's not going to be any lefty candidate either. It's just going to be the collective will of the people being exercised in an efficient and effective manner. Yeah. You know, nobody's, nobody's going to come into your home and balance your budget. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not any politician's fault or any, or anyone else's fault that you, that like 75% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Um, like these type of things, like nobody's, you're not going to elect a president and all of a sudden your financial worries are away because you don't know how to spend your money or because you. Um, nobody's going to come fix, you know, uh, the relationship you have with your children. Sure. Um, and, and culture is the, I think the really more important thing that we're missing here. We have politics. I think we have too much politics actually and not enough sort of culture where people hold themselves to a high standard and are proud. You know, once upon a time, people were really proud to be Americans. Um, and it didn't matter who you were, or like where you came from. Um, people were proud to be here because it was a place of opportunity where they could, they could bet heavily on themselves um, and be a part of this experiment, you know, this experiment in, in, in freedom. Um, and, and that's, that's the really important thing I think people need to take away. And, you know, that's been like the subject of pretty much everything I've ever, when I've done all these speaking engagements, you know, I get up and I tell the story of Attilus, um, you know, because it's really just a, to- a story of two regular guys um, who were like, no, this isn't going to happen to us. And we're going to, we're going to figure a way out of it. No matter how many questions we have, no matter what the dangers or threats are, we know what we're doing is right. You know, and I always end by telling people like, Hey, there's nothing special about, you know, Frank or I, we uh, just we, we decided that we were going to stand on our hill and, and this is what we believed in and we weren't going to compromise our values. And and that's it. And we stuck to it and we survived it. It was scary. There were times where we doubted ourselves. But if you do anything worth doing, I think those are feelings that you're going to have to get used to. Mm. Um, and I think that's if there if there's a takeaway from all of this, it's, it's that. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if you're going to be proud to be an American uh, you know, or, or, or proud to be anything, really. If you're proud to be successful, you have to stay successful, right? Otherwise, you know, you're a, a Dallas Cowboys fan, I guess, just talking about how great it was for 25 fucking years ago. Um, Phil Jackson said that you're only a success in the moment you perform a successful act, right? It's, a, it's, it's like a, a Taoist idea that um, everything that matters is only in the moment, right? So when you project 
judgment on things, whether it's good, bad, or internally pride or whatever it is, happiness, it's only in that moment that it exists. You know what I mean? So, you know, the implication is, I guess, to some degree that it's fleeting, but it's also that it requires continual maintenance. You know what I mean? So if you're, if you're proud to be an American, if you want to be proud of your country, you damn sure better be putting the work in to make the country worth that pride. Right. That's kind of the whole point. Absolutely. And yeah. it's, and it's, 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 a, it's like an internal ver- version of broken window theory too. Like if things, look and are treated nice, then you're going to feel ownership and equity and those things. And, and you're going to treat them better than you would otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that starts at just like, at just the individual level, like in, in terms of our self-care, you know, we, we learned a lot during COVID that people really didn't take care of themselves and people don't even, and, and didn't know how, you know, so it's like, how do you, how do you start? You know, if, if you want to start, if, if somebody were to ask the question, you know, I, Okay, well, I, I want to be a proud American, you know, like where do you start? Yeah, you start with the individual, start with yourself, you know, hold, start holding yourself to that higher standard. Um, and just like you said, I like that, that, that internal broken window theory, when you start to feel better and look better and have a little bit better of a life, you're going to want to, to, that's going to spill over into that sort of next rung, which is like your family, you know, and as your, as your family same thing, you know, your family is something that you're proud of and you take care of and you make sure that you're you're going above and beyond for to keep it, um, keep it successful. You know, I like that term. Um, that's going to pour over into your into your community and that just pours out once again. Yeah, that's where a lot of insecurity comes from, too. I think uh, <clears throat> like if you if you map that onto personal relationships, the dude who knows he's not doing enough in his personal relationship with his wife or girlfriend or whatever it happens to be and then sees her getting attention or compliments from somebody else that's when you get triggered because you know you're not doing your fucking job uh that that's typically how it works right so when i see these kids um in the pacific northwest like burning down cities because they're upset about shit they've never experienced i'm like all right cool man like you know it's a mistake to to outright dismiss people who are that agitated i think because chances are there's something going on there that needs to be addressed whether you agree with the way they're addressing it or not it's and it's and it's the same problem that we see throughout society particularly in the west and it's this um this version of insecure purpose purposeless nihilism that drives young men to join gangs or or mass shoot or commit suicide or join terror organizations. And it's the same thing that has driven up um, the body image for women and this, the rise in suicide for young women, especially. I mean, this is all the same goddamn disease. You know what I mean? It is. No, I, I think that's a, it's an interesting way to look at it. And I think it's the, 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 the correct way to look at it is we, um, be, and I don't even know where it's one of those things where I'm not even sure like where it begins. Is, is it the lack of, of pride um, that, you know, that, that turns into the lack of purpose or is it the lack of purpose that turned into the lack of pride um, where you, you, where, like you said, you have generations of, you know, I, I look, I like to look at men like, you know, men a lot in terms of, in, you know, the, the problems of the world. Cause I can identify closest, you know, with that. And it's, it, when you say when young men join gangs, you know, I did, I did six years in prison when I was 20 years old and I, I saw, it, I saw these young men um, and I saw like how much pain that they were in um, because of lack of purpose. Nobody had nobody had ever showed them how to do that. Um, there was, you know, these are men, again, coming from single single mother households, 
low-income households, people that have sort of been ignored and um, put into a position where they're, they don't have a shot really. You know, it, it's just, it's very, very difficult. And they all have the same story and they all suffer from the same pain. Um, and nobody's doing anything about it because these guys just have less and less purpose. And the only place that they find it is in this, these extreme ideas sure. um, that, <clears throat> that, end, that never end well for these guys yeah. and, and don't end well for society either. I mean, people that are missing things that are critical in life, they'll go find them somewhere. If, they, if there's uh, not a tight family bond, they're going to go find it somewhere. And typically, you know, outside of the, the normal family, you're going to find it in a couple places. You'll find it in uh, uh, friend groups, maybe. You'll find it in sports. You'll find it in the military, or you'll find it in more nefarious places, right? Like gangs or people that do drugs and shit like that. Not that I don't do drugs. I love drugs. But don't spend all your time doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get some work done, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that like you, you'll find an outlet for this stuff. Like a, it, think, think of a, a child that didn't get <clears throat> the proper attention from a positive male or female role model, they suffer for that. And then in adulthood, they'll go try to find that role model somewhere in a way that probably isn't a great way to go find it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a pretty yeah. classic. And this is just Maslow's hierarchy of needs played out on a very large scale. Yeah. You know, and that's, I don't know where with stuff like that, I don't know where the solution is to, to kind of get through to these populations because I like what you said, you can't, you can't ignore them. It's dangerous to ignore them because when we ignore them, that problem doesn't go away. Um, and these are, these are the types of issues that we have in society that, that, that tend to drive the divisiveness, you know, the, these extremes, um, where, you know, most, most, I think most of the population is within 80% of each other, mm. you know, and or, 80% of the population is, is in, is in a couple within a couple talking points of each other. Yeah. They may not agree on everything, but I think most people kind of fall in that, in that median line. And you have these extremes of angry people um, who are, who are driving a wedge between people who are just trying to live good lives. Are you familiar um, with the, uh, the Overton window? Yeah. So for the listener, the Overton window is like <clears throat> the range of politically acceptable ideas that most people would agree are, are acceptable at any given time. Right. So you're, you're right. It, it's, it's 80 or so percent of people usually fall into the same, the same group with, with regard to most things, people don't want to pay a lot for taxes. They want food to be cheap. They want their communities to be safe. Most of these things that aren't just political wedge issues are typically uh, pe people get along pretty well in those things. And that's why you should be extremely suspicious of anybody that's trying to lean too heavy on one of the wedge issues. Like if that's what their whole fucking life, if they're an activist and all they care about is abortion or all they care about is uh, uh, immigration or all they care about is one of these things, right? If they're just trying to hammer you constantly on that one thing, that person's up to something. They're trying to fucking psyop your ass. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> just look at our entire political system. It runs on the same five or six, you know, wedge issues mm. every every election cycle. And that's one of the things that I noticed when I was campaigning for Congress was, you know, I wanted um, and there, there's a, a huge amount of people um, who are interested in the real issues who, like I said, who, who want those Overton Windows issues, who are just looking for safe communities, who are just looking for good schools, you know, all these things. But I would get asked these questions in these wedge issues, and I would uh, I would say that they're not as important as as the, the issues that we all agree on, and that we should talk about those. And people would get very frustrated by that. 
um, because they're so hooked into these these stupid little psyops, mm. um, and it, it prevents it, it prevents people, I think, from 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 moving the ball forward. I think we could be in a much better place if we get the population to get away from those issues, you know. But it's it's a cultural thing again. It's you know how do you uh, how do you get people to tune out of that of that abortion issue? Um, because the reality is is that the success the, the success or failure of this country doesn't hinge on the abortion issue right. um, or most of these issues, you know, mm. the success of the country depends on, you know, our, is our, you know, how far is our national debt clock going to go? Right. Um, and what are our, you know, what is our, our level of education on the world stage? You know, are we producing, you know, young minds that are actually doing something? Um, and we're just, we're, we're in these like muddy waters where it doesn't feel like <clears throat> the balls get it. We're not moving in a, in a direction. We're just kind of, um, sinking it feels like sure yeah i mean our, our greatest export used to be our people and uh our our ideas that's what the greatest export of the united states used to be and now our our people are fucked and our <laughs> ideas are stupid i mean it, i've <clears throat> this is this might be the most i've ever seen um a particular group of people work against their own best interest ever you know what i mean and maybe that's one of the pitfalls of of having what 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 we call freedom but is is sort of an illusory uh freedom but um maybe that's one of the pitfalls like people in authoritarian like true authoritarian abusive regimes know they're in one you know what i mean and it's yeah. it's very easy to identify what's wrong who the enemy is and what what a better situation might look like and here it's just so easy all the time that people i mean it's it's fucking pathetic just think about the cringiest complaint you've ever seen somebody post on the internet and that's the american anthem now <laughs> yeah you're i mean you're right and it's <laughs> that's um that's and that's what i seen when, when i say like we're an embarrassment and it's like where where is our pride at you know that's that's been the question lately you know i when i when i ran for congress i really thought that like i could make a difference um you know what a, what a what a funny joke that was um you know but I did realize that the the solution isn't necessarily um, going to be found in politics. Yeah, you know, we might find some solutions there, but it's it's more about what we're doing in our communities. Um, it's just a matter of getting more people to realize that and to start tuning out from the uh, the, the the circus, mm -hmm. you know, that's on television. You know, <clears throat> when when our political system is that we're expecting a big announcement from a former president, you know, and uh, it's an NFT drop, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, like at what point are people going to be like, all right, you know what? Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on, on my own life right now. Like, and I'm going to, I'm going to make it as good as I possibly can. And I'm just going to like, I'm going to focus on that, my family, my community, um, because we're, we're following the, uh, the days of our lives, soap opera and and it's just it's not doing any of us any good yeah to me i i was talking i don't remember who i was talking to about this the other day um <clears throat> shit i don't remember who it was but we were just discussing the political discourse in the u.s and you know some of these uh uh community organizers as they like to call themselves these days after obama or activists or whatever it's like talking to a five-year-old about pokemon cards you know what i mean it's like shut the fuck up dude you, there's nothing you can say that's going to make me care about what you're saying right now. There's you, honestly <laughs> like I, 
<laughs> and, and, and it doesn't do either of us favors for me to pretend like this is interesting or important. Well, yeah, that's, um, you know, that's most of most of the grievances that sh that that you hear, like you said, are, you know, it's like, holy shit, these are your problems. Like this is, you know, people are worried about inequality in 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 like, but it's always in like some weird like space that, you know, inequality in the workforce for women who work at McDonald's, uh, you know, who are under the age of 25. You know, everybody's got like a victim category to be in. Um and it's just it, it it's to the point where like it's it's a it's it's helplessness you know these people have zero control over their own lives um and 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 you've seen it you've seen it for the past 2 years where people just threw their hands up and said just tell me what to do um which brings you back to that idea of just being a subject people are so confused mm -hmm. that it's, you know what i'm just i got no idea you know like so just Mandate, mandate what I should do with my life. This episode is brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. Black Rifle Coffee is the best coffee company in the world. They're our buddies. But we're not just saying that. We also are customers. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-operated and supports America's military law enforcement and first responders, not just by saying they do, which is what a lot of companies do, but they actually do it. They give you the best coffee, and they also send coffee to, uh, to these guys on the front lines, the people that support, uh, support us. So get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, whether you like light, dark, or medium. Choose the grind. Whether you want ground coffee uh, whole beans so you can ground it yourself, which is what I recommend, or coffee rounds if you're in an office or something like that, and you need uh, Keurig. You can also choose your delivery schedule, and it'll come to you anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com and get those deals today. Next up is Ghostbed. Ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering a 40% off Ghostbed bundle where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. So you don't need a code for that. You just add the mattress and the adjustable base uh, and it'll apply auto apply 40% off. And then anything else you add to that order also 40% off. For everything else, you can use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and you're going to get 30% off everything on the site. Now they have the best sheets, mattresses, pillows, covers, all this stuff. You can get all, you can get an entire bedroom suite here and you can get it all for 30% off a month. But wait, there's more. You can buy a mattress for about, you can buy the whole thing for about 35 bucks a month because they have a zero down, 0% financing plan that extends out to 60 months. That's five years, which is about the amount of time that a bedroom suite lasts. So that's a great deal, folks. Go check it out at ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babble.com slash citizen. This holiday season, if you're looking for a unique gift that inspires curiosity, travel, and culture, give yourself the gift of Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions and thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you'll finally be able to discover the wonder that comes with learning a new language. 
With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes a day to complete a lesson. So you can start having real-life conversations in a new language as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and with Babbel, you can choose from up to 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to the lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. And it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash citizen. That's babbel.com slash citizen for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Yeah, but it's good to be able to, you know, this is, this is one of the reasons that I enjoyed that this is kind of an ordinary guy revolution, uh, for lack of a better phrase, because it's very practical, right? Like it, th- this isn't a Tony Robbins 10 steps to freedom bullshit. It's just like, here's some very basic things you can do in your life to make sure that your life specifically and then those around you are better. You know what I mean? And, and, and I don't mean better <clears throat> financially necessarily, but it's liberty. There, there's a couple of axioms about liberty. One, it only exists if it exists for everybody. Otherwise, somebody's still being oppressed, and that's that should be unacceptable to somebody that has liberty on their mind. The other part is it's a muscle, right? It only works if we all flex and flex at the same time. Just the Which I think number one thing that we've forgotten. Yeah, well, that's so that I wanted to bring this up specifically because saying no <clears throat> is a big part of this. Saying no to stupid shit is a big part of this, and you are a pretty good example of doing that on a large scale. Now we do it here a lot. We talk a lot of shit. It's our job here to talk shit. Right. And whenever certain things pop up, like companies that go woke, we fucking get them out of our system. Even if it loses us money, uh, we stop taking PayPal because they're a bunch of cunts. Um, and it costs us about 10,000 bucks a month to, to not, yeah. to not take PayPal. It is what it is. I'd rather be able to sleep at night, but yours, your example is also pretty extreme. So I want to, Run for the audience who hasn't heard of you and hasn't heard your story. Uh, tell them about the gym, how all this went with the lockdowns and so on, and bring us up to date on that. All right. So, um, you know, everybody knows the beginning of the story. The, uh, you know, the the Chinese flu was was just a news story. And then, it uh, you know, they started to go crazy with it. And we heard whispers of lockdowns and the death counter came up in the corner of every television show and um you know then lockdown came and we were brand new business owners at the time you know and we're we're as regular as it gets as far as business owners it's we don't own a chain of gyms this was our life savings put into a uh a a dumpster fire of a gym when when it was acquired um and in nine months we turned it around we didn't take a dime from it we were living the american dream we were working our butts off 12 days or 12 hours a day you know seven days a week um and just really seeing seeing the the fruits of our labor pretty much right away, we turned this place into a thriving little community. And then nine months into that, the you know the shutdowns came, and we didn't we didn't want to a because we were a new business, and b we didn't have a whole lot of information, and that seemed pretty dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, like we're gonna so so you're gonna tell me we're gonna lock the whole country down for 14 days, and that's just gonna make the flu go away, you know, or or the you know the virus go away, but. 
we didn't know enough, um, you know, to confidently stay open. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent certain on it. It smelled like BS to me, but I, I really wasn't sure. Um, same went for my partner. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're not looking to hurt anybody. You know, we mm. were, we were very skeptical. Um, I was afraid of a slippery slope, you know, kind of thing here because I, I've read a history book or two and I know when government usually acquires some sort of new power, they are, are very, very hesitant, if ever, to give it back. Mm. Um, so we shut down, but we, started, we, we kept paying attention. Wait, before, uh, before you keep going there, there's a good example of that that just happened. So Bernie Sanders tried to basically repeal the World, World uh, War Powers Act, the, uh, the justification that every president since George W. Bush has used to go to war with other people without the uh, consent of Congress. Now, I rarely find myself agreeing with Bernie Sanders, right? Um, but this one was pretty obvious, and even it, it, it got nowhere. They threatened him with something, who the fuck knows what, and he immediately capitulated and said, oh, it's all right, then I guess we'll just keep bombing Yemen for the rest of our lives. And now yeah. this this is 400. And look at what that has cost us as as the American people, you know what I mean? When that, when that was passed, I'm sure, not nobody, but I'm sure most people weren't thinking that it would lead us into, I mean, how many conflicts? Um, you know, I couldn't even say with accuracy, it's more, it's, it's mm. more than a half a dozen. Well, um, I mean, the, the important number is like $22 trillion. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so exactly. that that's, and we have a $31 trillion debt, which seems like <clears throat> when two thirds of something is coming from something that isn't even authorized by the constitution, we might have a fucking problem. Right. Um, yeah, no, we have, we have a major problem. Yeah. But Absolutely. to your, to your point, even the people who would gain that power back Congress, refuses to take it back from the president. That's how fucking much gravity there is to giving power back to the state. You can never, we, we that should be a fucking, uh, a, a no go. An automatic. No. Yeah. If it's, if it's not in the founding documents that, you know, we're not authorized, mm -hmm. but so, and I think that's an important, I think that's an important thing for people to realize, but you know, whatever we closed down, we had a lot of work to do, so we kept going to work. And, uh, you know, very quickly, we were paying attention to, you know, why we were shut down. So we were we were trying to understand the science. We were doing our homework. We were reading articles on or um, studies on PubMed and, mm. and kind of staying up to date with science, trying to trying to learn everything we could, whether it was from the mainstream media, whether it was from CDC or whether it was from some other publication, you know, from around around the world. Um, and it just kind of wasn't making sense, you know, like we were seeing these videos of people drop dead in the streets, but like, you know, like nobody, nobody you saw was really sick. Um, and then we were, you know, I'd be driving, I'd be driving to work and, and, you know, the Walmart and the mall is, is there's not an empty space in the parking lot, but I pull into my little strip mall, you know, where my gym is and it's, it's a ghost town, you know? So it was like, all right, this isn't making sense. And you know, the politics was politics as usual. So we, we paid attention to who told us to shut down the politicians and what it was, which was COVID. And neither one of those things made sense. So we made the decision to reopen, um, but we did so with a 15 point safety protocol that went so far above and beyond that what anybody was doing or even suggesting had to be done, that it would be ludicrous to shut us down. I mean, there was literally a spray bottle in every single gym member's hand and people were spraying stuff down before they used it. After they used it, there was air filters, um, there was air scrubbers. We had our HVAC system upgraded. You name it, we did it. We moved the gym all around so nothing was within six feet of each other. There were markings on the ground. We were taking people's temperatures. We were contact tracing. We had masks on originally. Um, and we said, all right, well, we're going to open. So, you know, if you want to come talk to us, 
you said two you said two weeks it's been two months um we're, we're happy to show you this plan we think it's a good one you know maybe you could, maybe you know since you don't have one you could look at it government ignored us and we said okay so we opened um started with citations uh all said we got 90 over over 80 citations almost 90 municipal citations everything from violation of a governor's orders to public nuisance to operating without a business license um disturbing the peace a whole bunch of other things mm. Um, and then it just kept escalating from there. Um, we had a health department shut down. We had a court order to shut down. Our doors were physically, uh, the, the locks were physically changed. We picked them. We went back inside. Uh, we filed a lawsuit that got dismissed in federal court um, based on the fact that we had criminal citations in the state. So it was just a way of blocking us. It wasn't a, like a legitimate bad lawsuit. Um, and it just continued to escalate. We got fined $15,000 per day for over four close to five months um, for every day that we were open, we were fined, whatever that amount was. We had our bank accounts emptied by um, Santander bank to the tune of $200,000. We were arrested. We had members arrested, um, you name it. So in the end uh, we stood, stood firm and there's still some lawsuits going on, but one of the most damaging things they did, it was they, they suspended or they took our business license Um right before they reopened gyms. They reopened gyms on September 1st. They took our business license like the end of August. Um, and it's just like a spiteful move to to put us out of business. And we were able to operate for two years without charging a single member. We did uh, only donations and t-shirt sales. And, and we were able to pay not only our uh, normal overhead, but our increased overhead with all the safety measures and then a massive $700,000 legal battle. Um, and we, we were able to to just kind of stand firm. We just kept opening the gym, opening the gym. They just kept, you know, bringing new punishments on us until eventually they ran out of things to do to us. Um, they couldn't shut us down. We had garnered too much support. And um, the township, uh, the mayor, the mayor of the township had contacted our lawyers uh, almost two years into this and said, you know, when are they? Because we would just sue the township for our business license and we would lose. And we'd sue again and we'd sue, sue again and sue again and sue again. We're just relentless. And um, the mayor called and said, you know, how long are these guys going to keep this up for? And the, and the lawyer said, you know, like until they get the business license back. So um, what I assume is he could no longer sort of justify the lawsuits to the township, you know, going go to courts, $30,000 on, mm. on, on the low end um, if you have one lawyer and they had a team of them. So um, I don't think he could justify the expense to, to the township anymore. We were two years out from COVID almost. Um, and, and that were, yeah, we were two years out from COVID and, um, they finally just gave our business license back. So that happened during my run for Congress. So it was the first time we were able to become a normal business again, charge members, do what we set out to do. Um, the other stuff's still in court. It just kind of drags and drags and drags. It's 30 days for, for a motion, 30 days for a reply, 30 days for the judge to read it, 30 days for a court date. And it just kind of drags on in, in the, uh, in the end, but we're still going with it. And I assume you're going to file lawsuits for damages at some point, right? Because this is pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We So the interesting thing was we were, they manipulated the court system so badly during all of this that everything was through Zoom, which is a joke. Like if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to be held accountable in a court of law, I think it should at least be face to face. Like Zoom court is a joke. You know, we're watching you know, the, the judge's kitchen is like in the background. Mm. 
um, as we're like talking, you know, this quote unquote serious idea of the lockdowns. Um, and we were just muted the whole time. Like, you know, we're on a Zoom call right now. Like you can mute me if you want as the host. We were muted. So we never we never spoke a word of our own legal defense um, until we reached a municipal court much later down the line. Um, because we were suing the township, our municipal action was kicked to um, you know a, a local municipality not too far from us. And it was the first time a judge actually like listened to us. And she was blown away by all of this. And, you know, we we're, we're explaining it in the, in the way that I just did kind of throwing it all at you mm. at once, you know, the, the short version of the long story. And, um, you know, she was blown away and, and she said the same thing. She's like, I don't know how the state justified any of this. Um, so we're still to be heard in that court, but eventually once all of the chips fall and once all of the wrongdoing is at least acknowledged, then the lawsuits coming, coming back at them can happen. And what's your, what do you have going on right now? Um, so I ran for Congress and that was, um, that was an interesting experience. I ran, I did it on the, on the back end of Attilus, um, as the, as we got the business license back, it was right around the time that I declared my run. And I did, I did that because I wanted to, um, I was tired of like waiting to react to bad government. Um, cause it feels like that's, that's the game we're always playing. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're always rushing to the fire. Um, and we're always on our back foot. Like we're always responding to some sort of like nonsense. Mm -hmm. So I figured I'd run um, and I gave that my best shot. It was way more difficult than I had imagined. Um, and it's a way uglier game than I had even thought. Um, and I understood that it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going into a fair fight. Um, and then I took a little bit of time off and I've, uh, I've, I've launched some other businesses and I, I got back into the, the thing that I love, which is actually coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been able to, that's what I started out as, as a trainer. Um, and when I bought the gym, you know, uh, opening the gym kind of took me away from it for a little while. And then the COVID madness, you know, got me away from, from what I actually do for a profession, which is coaching. Mm. Uh, and in the meantime, I wrote a book, I wrote a book about all of it. Um, starting with, um, some, some events in my life that kind of shaped the person I've become. I talk about why I was in prison, what it was like in prison and the lessons that I've learned along the way. Um, and how I've, tried to improve. I'm a person who makes a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, I've, I've put myself in some bad situations over and over and over again. Um, and all that's been my fault, but I've, I've learned a lot along the way. And prison made me into the type of person that was willing, I think, to, to fight for my freedom because I had, I, I truly understood what it was like to have your freedom taken away from you. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I deserved to be in prison. That was, you know, I'm, I'm not complaining about that, but I, I got to feel like what it was like to have no rights, mm -hmm. you know, to be told when uh, when you can eat, when you can sleep, um, you know, where I go, who I talk to, when I can call my family, all of these things. And you don't appreciate those things until you, you don't have them. Um, so when it came time, you know, for me to close the gym, I, I, I was deeply reminded of like that feeling of like, man, this, you know, this is not okay. And, and this time there was no reason for that. You know what I mean? There wasn't, I hadn't, I hadn't done something wrong that, that I deserved to lose my business. Um, you know, I hadn't violated any laws. I was just like every other regular American who was kind of minding their business um, in those later years of the, the feel good Trump, you know, mm. term, you know, enjoying the nationalism and, and money in our pockets. Um, however much of a false sense of security that may have been. 
Um, and I think that really had a dramatic impact on my ability to say, all right, like I'm willing to fight for this. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I know what it feels like. So I talk about the Attila story in greater detail, all the ins and outs of it, um, what it was like on the inside. Um, again, highlighting the idea that like, hey, there's nothing special. You know what I mean? Like this is just this is a story of two regular guys. Um, then I talk about my con my Congress run um, and kind of sum it all up in a in a call to action for the average citizen to get involved. You know, that's that's the whole the whole thought of the book is, hey, listen to this story. Uh, I've been through some crazy things. Um, I've overcome some nasty obstacles, but I was able to do some great things after that. Um, and there's absolutely nothing different about me than you or any other American. You know, it's just a matter of, of are you going to learn from the lessons that you or are you going to learn from the mistakes that you've made and grow? Or are you going to, you know, accept this victim culture that we have in America where, you know, a lot of people and I watched a lot of them, a lot of guys that I was in prison with, that was the final chapter of their life. You know, that was the conclusion. They never they never did anything after that um, or they went back and I never wanted to be one of those guys. So, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's interesting how uh, there's such a fine line between su success <clears throat> and then victimhood and nihilism for certain people for maybe not even for certain people, maybe for most people. Um, it's like people folks are just teetering on the edge between um <clears throat> this and that i'm sure part of it is expectation right we we live in america we expect to be successful um but i i feel like a lot of people just never took the time to unpack what that means like you're you're expected to be successful because you have all the tools here you need to succeed but the tools don't work themselves right like you still yeah, have no, to that do the work yeah, no, that's uh, that's a I think that's a generational problem we have is that we're we're born in America and we forget that success isn't just granted, it's it's earned. You know, you're not you're not successful because you're American or you're not special because you're an American. It's special that you are an American and that you have the ability to legitimately do whatever you want with your life. Like there's uh you know, I'm reading um uh, Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday mm -hmm. right now. And uh, in in the opening, uh, I think it's the opening chapter of the book or the actually it's the introduction. You know, he talks about how like the the modern life that we that that every single person in, in the country, almost every single person in the country has access to is a life of luxury beyond the uh, like the wildest imaginations of like like kings and rulers of the past. You know, like you have not only do you have luxury, but you have opportunity like mm. like never before. And the fact that you're not choosing to to see it as, hey, look at all these tools I have instead of like, hey, why am I not successful yet? Um, is an underlying issue that especially as the you know, as, as the younger generations come up, you're seeing that more and more. I, I bet I probably sound like like every single person who's getting into their the middle of their life saying that, but like the younger generation seem to get worse uh, with this with this nihilism, with this expectation that mm. they're that the world <laughs> is supposed to revolve around them. Um, yeah, but when our parents were mad at us for for, um, you know, when our parents looked at us and said, "You're, uh, uh, I can't believe what you're doing," blah blah blah. It's like, all right, cool. I'm starting my own business, though. It's it's. You know, I dropped out of college and I'm starting my own business. I know you thought college was the only way to fucking be successful, 
but now it's like kids are just whining about social issues and um, refusing to go to work. We have 11 million open jobs in the United States right now. It's like, all right, cool, man. That's not a great thing, probably, right? I mean, that, no, that so all. 65% of the people that are unemployed right now are not looking for work. That's that's a Bureau, a Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, thing that just came out. That's the second part of the sentence when <clears throat> the Biden administration says we have gotten unemployment down to 3.5%. Like, yeah, technically that's true. But the 65 other percent of people in that group just aren't looking for work anymore. Yeah, they're just not working at all. Yeah. So they're, I what guess, living with their parents. I don't fucking know. You know, it's like I can't I can't even imagine living like that. But there are so many there. There's obviously a huge, a huge portion of the population that is. And yeah, that's I mean, that's concerning. I, you know, every small business that you walk into these days has a help wanted sign on the door. Mm. I mean, like almost every single one. And if if that's not a little bit like eerie to you, I don't like I don't know what like that. That mm. kind of gives me like the like just to an eerie feeling like, man, like where like where's everybody at? Like, you know, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? There's a help wanted sign on every door. Every restaurant I've been to, you know, every small like small business restaurant I've been to has a help wanted sign. on the mm -hmm. door. I live in a small little town. There's help wanted signs everywhere. Um you know, and the, the ramifications of that, I don't know if I if I quite understand them, but I, I can understand that it's probably not a good thing that we have all these open, you know, these open jobs because the people working are being overworked, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then they're supporting a portion of the population who's just choosing not to work. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's that there's so there's some a couple of obvious <clears throat> ramifications from that. Um, and it's that. This is the infrastructure that makes everything we do possible. So you go on vacation and you take a flight and then get a rental car and then fill up that rental car at the gas station and then go to a restaurant, go to your hotel. Every single fucking stop you make, there are people there working hard. And sometimes it's you there at that hotel or that gas station or whatever the fuck working hard and somebody else is on vacation. But to allow any of us to ever do it, we all have to do our goddamn jobs. That's the fucking ramification, right? So it's, and I don't think these kids are lazy either. I know <clears throat> my girl's got a fucking 15 year old. He's not lazy when he's motivated. He'll do something. He's just like anybody else. He's like any other fucking teenage boy ever. When he's motivated to do something, he'll do it. When not, he's just like, ugh, ugh. Cause that's how I was. If somebody yeah, tried to get me to do some shit I didn't want to do when I was 15, I'd be like, fuck you. I'm not doing yeah. that. But you know, it, it's now they're, now they're carrying that teenage bullshit with them into their 20s. And there's a lot of yeah. reasons for it because most of these kids get told they need to go get uh, a degree or even an advanced degree and go $100,000 in debt right off the cusp. You know what I mean? Um, they don't learn any life lessons during this process. All they learn is that <clears throat> you immediately get saddled with debt. All right, cool. That sucks, but I'll pay it off. Okay, well, now I can't because the, the uh, uh, – pay market has been stagnant for 27 years. People have not had a raise relative to inflation in 27 years in this country. And then you look at the housing crisis. It's really incredible. Yeah, it's fucked. Uh, uh, it, then you look at the housing market. It's like usually 25 to 30 year olds were getting into the housing market. They were buying a fucking hundred thousand, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar house. If you were in a richer area uh, as their starter home. Now that's not the case. 65% of these people are renting now, and the other 35% uh, are living at their parents' house. Nobody in that age group owns homes anymore. So it's like, I understand to some degree 
why they truly believe that nothing they do matters, that the nine to five jobs don't matter, that their only shot is to hold their breath and pray to win the lottery. That that's that's the that's the general consensus among these people. And to yeah, be or, honest, or wait for some wait for some bailout, yeah, or whatever, you know, because they're and yeah, I mean, I I get it too. And I was I was angry when I finished. You know, I I finished college because um because I had already started it. You know, and I I I was mad at myself for going back after prison, um because I didn't need it. But yeah, I was told I was told that we were told that in our in, in our generation that you had to go to college and get a degree. And it's like the the options that these kids think they have in front of them. Nobody's nobody's teaching them the other options that they have or nobody's really encouraging them to. Um, they're certainly not being encouraged by the public education system to think of anything other than going to college. Mm. Um, you know, and some of them may, might find their way to better information, but most probably don't. And you're right. It's, you know, I, I'd probably be a little discouraged, too, if, if those are my choices. OK, go to college, you know, where I'm going to be surrounded, especially if you talk about like the normal kid, um, you know, who probably isn't uh, just like just just somebody who would just be working at a hotel or somebody who would just, you know, is, is totally content with that um, with that standard of life, just, you know, a, a middle income, whatever there's no way out of that trap for them. You know, it's, and it's only getting worse. School continues to get more expensive every single year. Um, the job market is, you know, you have to go further and further and further in, into school in order to even get something of value out of it. Um, and then by then you're, you're buried under six figures worth of debt with an interest rate, you know, and, and a $36,000 a year job. <clears throat> yeah, big time. I mean, that's that that's like, a, well, that's, that's the worst deal ever. And you know, then when you when I hear people on the conservative side say fucking suck it up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like what fucking boots are these people wearing exactly? We've taken their boots away. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, well, they're just as screwed as as you know. You're they're just as screwed as as, as the conservatives are on the other side, complaining about the other end of the system. Mm. You know what I mean? They're they're complaining. And I get, and both sides have a valid grief, mm. you know, with, with, but it's, it, it's not with each other. Like it shouldn't be with each other. It's directed at each other, but it's, you know, we should be looking at these bigger issues. Like, why is it so expensive to go to school? Oh, well, you know, if you look at any, any, you can, you can graph the entrance of the government into the public or the, um, <laughs> the, the college loan market mm -hmm. and rising costs, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's what we should be mad about. Mm. We should be mad that kids want bailouts, you know, even though I don't want to pay for, I don't want to pay for anybody's bailout, but at this point you're paying for everybody's everything else anyway. So I don't even know if that matters. I mean, you, we've sent trillions, billions of dollars to Ukraine. Mm. You know, we've sent, sent billions of dollars here at this point. I don't think any of it matters. We're so far into it that until we start to look at the systems or the, the policies that are creating these problems, we just keep fighting amongst each other. Sure. You know, and that's, that that gets really and I saw that when I was when I was in Congress, it's, you know, these these people hate each other or I, when I was running for Congress, excuse me, these people hate each other and they're they're arguing over something that neither of them caused. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know? it's it's it's, it's kind of silly, man. And, you know, to carry it a little farther, uh, it, it's the when when we articulate these problems and there are genuine grievances from the right and the left when it comes to universities, they're pretty pretty clearly on the left side of the, of the fence, right? So <clears throat> professor salaries have not increased relative to infl inflation, but 
the administrative cost to run a university has gone up 2,000% relative to inflation over the last 40 years. 2,000%. I mean, what the fuck? That's 20 <laughs> times more costly relative to inflation than it was before. It's because they every, every uh, department has a fucking equity and inclusion person now for no fucking reason. Yeah, somebody, I- somebody that has a a weird degree in something that's now an expert in in, in, in inclusivity okay. and they, they're making $150,000 a year to fucking be a Karen. I mean, it's like the dumbest shit of all time. Yeah. And our, and our, our universities are bloated with them in every, in every, in every department. I mean, the, I was looking at, I forget what it was. I think it was, a, it was just a documentary, but they were showing the, they were just showing graphs and charts of the school costs and, and just putting it into like a pie graph. The amount of administrative costs compared to what goes to education um, is daunting, and it it, it shouldn't be it, it should be a fraction of it. Um, but that's what happens when government steps in and they start giving free money out. You know, when government comes in and they just start writing blank checks for people's education, you know, these colleges these colleges are going to naturally do that. You know, yeah. that's why that's why we should have free markets. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and you know, I mean, on on the other side of that argument with free markets, so. Um, Sagarnetti posted about this this morning, but this is something we've known for a long time. The, um, I think it was, I think it was talking about Princeton. They have a thirty-three billion dollar endowment or thirty-seven billion dollar endowment, and it makes eleven percent per year on that investment. So they make about let, let let's call it three and a half billion dollars a year, um, with an investment. I think of. 1.5 so they, they're basically clearing 1.9 billion a year they could allow everybody that goes to school there to go there for free they could relieve every debt that's owed to them without and they would still make over a billion dollars a year it's just that's just one university one ivy league university i mean that's fucking insane why would that be the case yeah it's it, you know it's <sighs> it's an it, it's an interesting problem because i don't even know where you like I, the problem is very clear, but what's the solution for something like that? Well, I mean, the government step in, you know, or do you, do people just have to start, do people just have to get educated and aware enough that these, that these places are ripping them the fuck off? I think it's you the know? latter. I don't, I don't trust the government to handle anything, frankly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's more of a hypothetical, but how do you get to that second place? You know, how do you, because you, you're going to have people who bite and who will, continue to support something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, the best uh, disinfectant is sunlight. Just you put yeah. the information out there and wait. But when the other problems we're talking about um, with, with the, the way kids, I mean, you, you think about the way that the 2020 election was manipulated. It wasn't with voting machines. It was with fucking Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and fucking Google and YouTube. That's how it really happened. You don't yeah. have to hack a machine when you can hack somebody's mind. And it works both ways. You know what I mean? We have to teach these kids that it's okay to have a regular job, that trade jobs are good and pay really fucking well and they have good benefits, uh, that there are smart ways to do college, like going to community college for two years first and then going to fucking a major university after that, buying property, saving money, not spending money on stupid shit. You know, there's a, there's a ton of life skills that a lot of us used over the years that somehow didn't get translated to the next generation. And I feel like that's more on us than them. Yeah, no, it is. It's on, it's, it's on the parents of of this generation that have, have turned their kids over to the, you know, to be raised by cell phones. 
it's one of the one of the worst things I see is, you know, I I, uh, I remember in the grocery store, like if I was being bad, my mom would stop everything that she was doing, and nothing would go on until I was disciplined, whether it took five seconds or five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's like this is the answer. They're like, here, here's the phone. You know, if you cry, if you whine, if you do this, here's the phone. And none of these values are being translated because we have like a disengaged uh, population where it's just easier that people, people go to the easiest, the easiest choice by default. Yeah. It's easy just to give your crying kid McDonald's French fries instead of telling him to shut the fuck up and and eat their vegetables. Right. Or to, or to hand them the phone and and let them play a game. You know, instead of stopping, even if they have a five minute fit in the super in the supermarket and you're and you're standing there, you know, and everybody's walking around you while your kids kicking and screaming on the floor. You know, that's not like that's not fun. You know, I, I don't want to waste five minutes doing that. I'm busy. You know, people have lives to live, but that's the that's the price you pay to raise a good human. You know, and, and that goes back to the idea from the from the very beginning of the show talking about paying the you pay the price now or you pay the bigger price later. You know, so are you going to take those that five minutes and whip your kid into shape or are you going to hand them some fries from mm-hmm. McDonald's and just accept that anytime they, they cry, you are going to have to surrender some some ground in order to save yourself from the inconvenience of pulling the car over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that translates to everything, not just parenting, your, you know, your, your personal life, your mm-hmm. financial life, all that. Do you need that $5 fucking Frappuccino every day? No. Get yourself a coffee maker and drink a fucking cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, you know, all these little things, but it's the, we, um, and you can, again, you can spread that out to anything. You know, people wanted to stick, keep their businesses shut down, even though they know the government, or they were still listening to mandates, even though they knew the government was wrong because it was, it was easier in the moment for them just to, just to put their head into the sand and hope to survive it than it would be to address the elephant in the room that they're being governed by psychopaths. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, at the end of that train of thought is, is this idea of delayed gratification, which is a very popular buzz phrase now, but what, what's the purpose of that? The purpose of delayed gratification isn't just to prove to yourself that you can delay the gratification. It's not even the mechanics of resisting necessarily. It is teaching your brain the relationship between effort and reward. That's the purpose. Yes. And you, there has to be a beat in the middle of that for you to truly understand it. That's why I tell people, people call me pissed off or upset. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, take a beat and don't try to escape what you're feeling right now. Absorb it. If you're stressed out, feel stressed out. If you're fucking pissed off, feel pissed off because pretending like it's not happening is not going to help you. And then <laughs> calm down and figure out why that thing was making you mad or what it is or how you can solve it or whatever else. Like you, you, we can't, you, you can't escape these things. Hard work is required for good result. That's just the way it is. You know what I mean? It's and that sometimes it's eating shit per, uh, uh, personally and just having to deal with it. Cause it sucks. Sometimes it's professionally, sometimes it's working out. Sometimes it's eating right. Sometimes it's doing the right thing. Even when you know it would be easier to do the wrong thing. It's just the way it is. Yeah, there's a there's a price to pay. E- either way, there's a price to pay. If you know, I um, it's an old video. I've seen it circulated a couple times. I don't even know the gentleman's name, but he's you know he and he's saying you know r- life is risky. Everything is risky. You know, is he he's like if you think going into business is risky, you know, just wait until you didn't go into business for it to mm-hmm. get the bill going not going to business. If you think investing is is risky, you know, wait till you get the bill for not investing. You know, and and so on and so on. And it's 
that's a really, really simple concept, but it just requires the, the, the willingness to sacrifice something small, you know, and, and, and to go through some sort of struggling or some sort of conflict or um, whatever it is, some sort of discomfort to achieve a much greater goal. Like you have to, you have to do it and you have to do it daily and you have to do it all the time. But in the end, the end of that path is much better than the than the the path where you're you're, you're trying to have comfort right now. Mm-hmm. Like you, don't, you don't want to work out right now. You don't you don't <laughs> feel like doing this right now. You know, it's easier to just go grab a cup of coffee on your way to work mm-hmm. than it is to wake up five minutes earlier and do it or, or whatever it is. It's easier. It's easier. It's easier. It's easier. And you wind up at the end of that road paying the bill at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. So you pay the bill at the end with a shitty life, mm-hmm. uh, with being unhealthy, with having no no sort of wealth, no no property, no nothing, and and every day's and again that's the that's the living paycheck to paycheck kind of you know obviously some people have to do that for a period, but if you're living paycheck to paycheck for the entire period of your life, if you're forty something years old and you've been living paycheck to paycheck since your first paycheck, you know you're gonna wind up, you know the old guy with no with no retirement who, who's going to work his way into the grave um, and who's going to be eating, you know, cans of, of Campbell's soup in a microwave in an mm. apartment by himself at 90 years old when nobody loves you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's you, yeah, yeah, exactly. You never had kids or whatever yeah. it is because you weren't able to do anything. You weren't able to sacrifice something in the moment to pay for something great mm. down the line. Yeah. And it's, you know, that, that can all sound like a platitude, but a really easy way to visualize the actual result is the, I think the average American works. Um, let's see. Times five equals 260 days, 250 days a year. So 250 times your fucking $7 coffee drink is 1750 bucks a year. And now if you're making $40,000 a year, 1700 like almost 2000 bucks that you would save is a lot of fucking money for you right yeah and, and it's, compound that over the course of just just three or four years yeah i mean it's th- th- this isn't look i'm not telling you not to buy coffee when you go out do whatever you want but don't pretend like you don't have options you know what i mean and it's that's, that i think that's the most important thing right there mm. is do what you want <laughs> but you can't complain about the results that that you didn't get mm. because you weren't willing you weren't willing to express a little bit of discipline or, or to engage in your life beyond, because most of that, mo- most of those actions are what I would call like unconscious choices. I mean, we're just like going around, like we're just, we're just driving down the street and all of a sudden you just need a cup of coffee or you need this, you know, um, instead of just saying like, you know what, I don't need that right now. Um, I, you know, um, it's just a craving I have. It's just an urge I have. You know, I used to mm-hmm. be, when I was younger, I remember, you know, when I when I had my first good year in business as an independent trainer, um, I was I mean, I, I did really well. I was I was super successful. I was one of the busiest trainers in, in the South Jersey area. And um, at the end of the year, I remember being like having to pay my taxes <laughs> and being like, fuck, like not only do I not have money for the taxes, like I have to put this on a credit card mm-hmm. like Cause I don't even have any money in my savings and, and like, where did all this money I go made? And it was, it was, I spent the year just kind of enjoying, but not like not paying attention to the little details. Mm-hmm. It was, Oh, let's go to dinner here. Let's go to dinner. And none of those things are inherently bad things, but because I wasn't 
actively participating in my own life and I wasn't thinking, it just seemed like a $40 dinner. It just <laughs> seemed like, you know, a night out at the bar for a couple beers. And it just, you know, and it's just, whoop, just sign the check, sign the check, sign the check. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the year, I remember I was so embarrassed with myself because I had been so proud all year that I was building something. Um, and I got, I got to the end of the year and I was like, wow, there's nothing like I, I haven't done anything. Yeah. I had some fun. I ate some good meals. I traveled, I did some fun things, but I didn't need to do all of that. I, I would have had just as good of a year had I exercised just a little bit of discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that was, that was a big wake up call for me because, you know, when I say I was proud, you know, I had never really, I, this is me coming out of prison, you know, um, feeling ashamed of, of lagging behind my peers. And I, I, the sense of pride I had was, man, look at me. Like I'm, I'm look how good I am. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the year, it was a complete failure because all I had done was, you know, take a couple pictures out with some friends in mm -hmm. some cool places on my Instagram. Um, and I felt like such a fool for it. And, but people live, are living their whole lives like that, mm -hmm. not noticing that they have the option to live however they want and they can be as free and as independent um, and as successful as they want to be, but it, it it's just not going to be handed to you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on today and discussing all this stuff. It's been very interesting, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading the book. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the book. Absolutely. So you can find me, um, Ian Smith Fitness, on pretty much every social media there is. I'm loudest and most engaged on uh, Instagram and now Twitter, because Twitter is kind of fun now. <laughs> Um, and there's a link in my bio to all my other, um, social media and stuff like that there. And the book is called find your hill. It is, uh, getting done probably today. It's actually your laptop sitting on top of the, the final version of the manuscript, and then it's going off to the editor. So I'm really excited about it. You can find that at findyourhill.com. Sweet. Well, thanks for coming today, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah. We'll see you soon. We'll see all you guys. Thanks for listening. This has been citizen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.